0: This episode was recorded during the SAG-AFTRA STRIKE. As fans and content creators, we stand in solidarity with the creatives currently on strike. There's power in a union. I'm JP Tuesday.
1: And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives.
0: Now, as the Disney catalog fans we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that's shaped as a children lives on in adulthood.
1: Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are
0: rewatching the, the magic.
1: magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday.
0: We are in the home stretch. The home stretch of our 60th anniversary retrospective of Doctor Who. And we've made it to the 12th Doctor, Peter Capaldi. Kiki, we are just a few weeks away from the 60th anniversary. I am hyped. I don't know about you. I am super hyped. Although, as we are recording this,
1: yeah... Looks like it's just going to be the new episodes coming to Disney+. Plus. They raised our hopes and dashed them quite expertly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you're in the United States, as we are, we are in the United States, uh, looks like it's just going to be the three 60th anniversary specials and was upcoming season and anything that comes after that. Looks like, at least for the time being... Uh, the previous era of Doctor Who, the revival era, the revival era of Doctor Who will be staying on HBO Max. At least until the contract runs out, which, from my understanding, is uh, either 2024 or
1: 2025. I've read January 2025.
0: Well, it was, it, I mean, the, the Warner Media got the rights to Doctor Who exclusively for HBO Max, and that was in 2020, so you might be right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I was looking at it today, I saw the quoted contract end as January 2025. As of right now in the U.S., again, your mileage may vary if you are outside the borders of the U.S., because every single country seems to have its own thing. Right now inside of the U.S., it does seem like The classic era Doctor Who is staying on BritBox for the moment. So that seems to be your place for classic era Doctor Who in the U.S. And then uh, revival Doctor Who, so starting with the ninth Doctor in 2005, you go to HBO Max, and then... Starting with the stuff for this year, Disney plus that is ridiculous and awful and horrendous and please please stop physical media for life yeah
0: um I mean uh, right now I mean I'll, I'll say it you know right now you there are four collections of modern Doctor Who the Revival era and they're kind of on sale because of the anniversary. About 20 ish dollars each, I would recommend getting those four sets, and then you won't have to worry about HBO Max at all.
1: yeah, I mean, I am very much given the um cluster fork that has been especially with you know things getting pulled and moved and I mean right now with Dr Who we did we did we talk about it last time?
0: We did not. Uh, yeah, if you're, in, if you're in the UK, you, you most Doctor Who episodes will be up on the iPlayer, which is great for you if you're in the UK, but not all of them. Uh, the short version of the story is some of the relatives of writers of the older episodes have not given their permission for the BBC to put those episodes on the iPlayer. It sucks. Uh, I think that is all I can really say without going too far off the off the path here. But yeah, uh, I'm all for the f- writers and the families of the writers getting uh, the 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 money that they deserve for their family's work and for the writers' own work. But as a Doctor Who fan, it does suck that they won't all be in one place at the same time. and especially for the u k fans who are really looking forward to all the episodes being on the iPlayer, that they won't all be on the iPlayer.
1: Yeah. Um, I very much want artists to be more than fairly compensated for their work. Uh, Let's put it that way. But I am also a massive supporter of making sure that media is protected and archived and available for future generations. In in whatever form that is. Uh, so yeah, there's, we've got to come up with a way to make sure that if you create something for public consumption and you wish to sell it to the public, that you are compensated for your work and that you are able to make a living off your work if that is what you wish to do, but also that if you put it out there, it is then preserved so that future generations can equally enjoy it.
0: And that's why I say physical media for life, because yes, all of New Who is on physical media and slowly but surely they're getting all of the classic doctor who stories out on collections on blu-ray so if you are able to buy doctor who on physical media i highly recommend doing so because you never know when it will be pulled from any streaming service at any time yeah but uh let's get back on to what we're talking about here the 12th doctor peter capaldi i remember The day they made that big announcement. That they had hyped this up. It was a live stream. It wasn't just live in the UK. It was live all over the world. People were wanting to know. Who the next doctor is. Even on BBC America. Who. Already. I know a lot of people have their issues with BBC America. But the fact that they went into this. Live stream. With a host. That has doesn't even have a show on BBC America, just to make this announcement of who the next doctor is. That was a big deal. And for months, there have been there have been the rumors of this actor or that actor. Will we have a younger actor? Will we have an of this actor, that actor? And out comes Peter Capaldi and a certain section of the Doctor Who fandom lost their crap. Because why is the Doctor an old man?
1: Uh, because he's over 2,000 years old. Um, I was thrilled because that was some bleeping good bleeping casting of a bleeping good actor that I bleeping bleeping love. That was the complaint too. They thought that that, that, that Doctor Who was going to go a little blue. Well, yeah, I mean, for for those who don't get the joke, I mean, Peter Capaldi's previous role had been on a series called In the Thick of It, where he was the most foul-mouthed character on British television.
0: There was a few edited clips of Doctor Who with, with a couple of his uh, swears, and people were like going, this is what Doctor Who is going to be like now? How dare they? This is a show for children. And everyone was like, this is a fan edit. This is not an actual clip from the new show. You can see Amy in, this, in the clip, and you know that she's not coming back.
1: Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I like In the Thick of It, and th- that character was awesome. And Also, I liked Peter Capaldi when he showed up in Fires of Pompeii. I mean, we, we got to mention that Yep. he had already been in Doctor Who because he was such a massive Whovian that he was like, please let me be in the show. Please let me be in the show. Please let me be in the show. Please let me be in the show.
0: Modern art.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and and the fact that that played into Capaldi's era so well, it was great. And we'll get into that in, in a moment. Mostly the young fans, the ones that really started with David Tennant who were already used to the doctor being the doctor looking like a young man for this shift from young man to old man, they couldn't process that and like you said the doctor is a 2000-year-old time traveler who can change his appearance to be whatever at whenever so being an older man, yeah I, I was cool with it, especially when we've gone through the doc the previous doctors up to this point in this retrospective but if you're a if you're someone who was a kid, when David Tennant was the doctor and you're used to the doctor looking a certain way, that has to be a big tonal shift.
1: Yes, but. The internet exists now, you guys. You did see, like, pictures, at least, of the other Doctors. They had seen pictures of, like, Hartnell and
0: stuff. Even in Matt Smith's first episode, you see that slideshow of every Doctor from Hartnell all the way to Tenet, and then Matt Smith walks through. Hello, I'm the Doctor. Basically, run. And... So you have the, the, the clips of every Doctor that came up to this point. Even in one of Tennant's final episodes, The Next Doctor, you see a slideshow of all of the previous Doctors up to him. If you're watching the show, you know that they were Doctors that existed long before Tennant, long before Smith, and you know what they look like. So I didn't... Eh.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, okay, let's just talk about Peter Capaldi as a person because Peter Capaldi was like I mean we talk about David Tennant being like the big Doctor Who fan Peter Capaldi was like he wrote to the BBC at one point and was like I should be president of the official Doctor Who fan club like that was Peter Capaldi when he was younger like, they read, they found that in the archives and read that on the Graham Norton show. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it is such a good moment. Because um, he turns such a beautiful shade of, like, a color that d- does not even exist in nature. It's beautiful. <laughs> but, like, he, w- he was like, no, 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 I was a giant nerd. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> this man was in, uh, like, a punk band with Craig Ferguson back in Scotland. Like, dude is legit, and I love him. Um, But he first auditioned for The Doctor back in the eighth Doctor movie.
0: We That's how long that, yeah. he was
1: trying to get this part. Come on.
0: And he was... He was up for the role of the 11th Doctor. It just didn't happen. But they kept his name on file. <laughs> and when it was time to find Matt Smith's replacement, he was the number one pick. Now, there was a few actors that they did audition as a formality just in case Capaldi said no. One of them was Ben Daniels. But even he knew during the audition process that he really wasn't the one they wanted. They wanted Capaldi. And they got Capaldi. And here we are.
1: Yeah, I mean, Capaldi was so into, like, I need to be involved in Doctor Who that he was in Fires of Pompeii, and then they were like, hey, you really enjoyed doing Fires of Pompeii. Come be in Torchwood as well. So he was also in Torchwood. Granted, he was in, like, the worst Torchwood because he was in Children of Earth and Children of Earth, not good. Like, no offense to to Peter, of course, because that's like, you know, he's he didn't write the thing. But, <laughs> but Children of Earth was just awful. Um, but, you know, he was like, hey, that's a Doctor Who sp- spinoff. So uh, I'm down. Um, And that was all before he got officially cast as the Doctor. You know, he was just playing, like, smaller parts. Because it was Doctor Who or Doctor Who adjacent. Um, And he just wanted to be connected to the series. But... He was so into it. I mean, and he just loves like sci-fi because he also um he also tried to get into Star Trek at one point. Um, because he auditioned for Deep Space Nine back in the day. There is an alternate universe where he was Captain Benjamin Sisko.
0: I don't know if that would have been as, as impactful as what we got, though.
1: Absolutely not. No. I mean, that, that correct choice. I do not want to live in the universe where Peter Capaldi is Benjamin Sisko. I don't think anyone does. I don't think Peter Capaldi wants to live in the universe where he was Benjamin Sisko. <laughs> Everything ended up correctly for that. Thank you. <laughs> um, this is not a Jeffrey Combs Doctor Strange moment. Like no. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um but it's it's just kind of cool like how like one of us he is. Mm-hmm. And I like how these people keep ending up in Doctor Who. Man,
0: he is so good as the doctor. Like like there are a lot of people who like I said, the people who det- um, detracted him because he was an old man ended up loving him. And then for some of those people, he was their favorite doctor. And we've chosen two episodes that really show how good he is as the doctor. Um, the episodes we're going to use, for the, the first one we're going to talk about is his first episode deep breath now we've done a regeneration episode before but we've never done a post-regeneration episode which is a very interesting idea the idea of the doctor getting used to his new body and a new face and going through that post-regeneration issues you know who am i where am i yeah we got a little bit bad with the eighth doctor movie but that's the eighth doctor movie (laughs)
1: Yeah, you should never base anything Doctor Who on the 8th Doctor movie. Love Paul McGann, but n- that movie was not good. Yeah, Paul McGann, awesome. 8th Doctor movie, not not good.
0: But also, a um, little bit behind the scenes here, we wanted to talk about Missy. And of the episodes we wanted to talk about, this was the only one that fit what we want to talk about.
1: Yeah, and also a little behind the scenes, we wanted to talk about the Pattern Gang, and the, this also was the only episode that kind of fit that too.
0: This is yeah, this is their final appearance in the new series, which is amazing that they've never brought these characters back for the TV show. They have an extended media, and yes, I I, I am aware of their audio adventure series, and it it is good if you if you can can get it. These are great characters, but it's like they were mostly for an eleventh Doctor, eleventh Doctor characters. So they haven't shown up yet, and I kind of wish that they did show up more. I would have loved to see what they could have done with with uh, Jodie Whittaker, you know. But we never. Yeah,
1: because I mean, they would have th- that would have rocked having, you know, Vastra and Jenny interact with. The Doctor in a female form. By the
0: goddess, what has happened to you, Doctor?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, you're like d- decent and smart now, you know, like... Vastra! Married! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, that itself would have been a, a, a hell of an episode with Vastra and Jenny flirting with the 13th Doctor.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But, uh, yeah, we said Jenny. That was a point of contention because apparently they forgot they already created a character named Jenny. Because when we first heard this character named Jenny, people thought she was Jenny. She was the doctor's daughter. And they said, no, this is a completely new character who just happens to be named Jenny. This is Jenny Flint.
1: Which... Yeah, it it's it's kind of weird on TV shows, especially ones like Doctor Who, where people are like, "Wait, we already have a character named Jenny." And it's like, "Okay, but like how many how many people do you know that are named like Richard or something? Like, you know, like there are just names that are really freaking common among humans." Mm-hmm. So like
0: the fact that we've never had Jenny meet Jenny is a crime. And I want to see that happen. I mean Vastra flirting with two
1: Jennies. That would be fun.
0: The fact that she would say, Hey, you know, Jenny, come here, and they're both like right there. My Jenny. <laughs>
1: I could be your Jenny. Yeah, like that'd be fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that that'd be fun. Somebody get on it. Russell, get on that.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh, yeah, and of course we have uh, Madame Vastra, a Silurian. Uh, Silurians first appeared with the Third Doctor in the in the serial Doctor Who and the Silurians, but they would uh, they would make their modern Who debut in The Hungry Earth with the Eleventh Doctor. And of course we get Strax, the Centauran, who made his debut. The Centaurans themselves made their debut in. Uh, With the Fourth Doctor and the Time Warrior, but they made their Modern Who debut with the Tenth Doctor in the Centauran Ravagem. All of the Modern uh, Centaurans have been played by one actor, Dan Starkey, who is so good at it, and is so good to make every Centauran he plays different, even though it is the same actor in the same makeup, with the same voice but is that good to give each and every one of these centaurans that he's played a completely different personality.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and Strax is just so funny.
0: I'm the smart one, you're the potato one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it just, oh. It does get tedious, though,
0: because it's like it's You know, how dumb are you, Strax?
1: I just love, like, basically Strax's first line when we see him in this episode is, like, he bangs on the TARDIS door, and, like, he knows who's inside. Mm -hmm. Because this is not his first interaction with the doctor. So, you know, Vastra's like, uh, you know, Strax, go knock on the door. And he goes and knocks on the door of the TARDIS, and he immediately goes, come out and surrender to the glory of the Satoran Empire. Like, (laughs) not like, hello, doctor, are you in there or something? Or, you know, come out in the name of Madame Vastra or something, who he's now serving. (laughs) No, it's like... Come out and surrender to the glory of the Santaran Empire. Yeah, which I love.
0: <laughs> and that, that's a running gag with, with, with Strax is that he, he still is loyal to the Santaran cause, but he has his duty to work with Madame Vastra. There is that, you know, the Paternoster gang make, made their debut in the in the episode A Good Man Goes to War. There is a scene there that. Did get cut that they turned they did release later as a short where it was Vastra that saved Strax's life, and so that's why Strax is working with Vastra because life debt, the usual, yeah, you know,
1: you got to get your Chewbacca on at some point,
0: yeah, but yeah, for him to have, you know, am I loyal to Madame Vastra, am I loyal to the doctor, am I loyal to. The Centaurans, and yeah, that that gets addressed in external medium. But that would have been a, such a great episode if they had gone that direction. But yeah, it's it's, it's Strax is such a funny character, but it, he's he's dumb. Like he doesn't learn anything. I don't know what clone batch he came out of, but he's he's clearly not the sharpest tool in the shed.
1: <laughs> he was clearly not part of the strategic planning clone group. You know, he is very much like. Frontline pawn clones, you know?
0: <laughs> First guy shot.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's very much like frontline cannon fodder, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Poor <Porsche> Strax. <tracks. laughs>
0: so, yeah. This one also has a weird reputation because I remember this episode leaked months early. Unfinished CG animation. Like, I. That was a big
1: thing I remember. Like, just insert dinosaur here, yeah. Who got fired over this? Yeah, because that's not something you see. I mean, one of the few things that comes fairly close to how MCU kind of guards their footage is Doctor Who. Yeah. So yeah the the fact that like a basically an entire episode got out there from one of their I'm assuming it was from one of the effects studios that was working with them. Yeah. Um was was rather shocking. Hopefully it was worth it whoever that was cuz like I
0: said that person had to have gotten fired.
1: Oh yeah, that that person is never getting a job in special effects again or production or you know whatever that person did they are never doing it again. That person is bagging groceries for the rest of their life. <laughs> And I do like how they
0: set up Vastra in 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 this in this era that she is essentially the inspiration for Sherlock Holmes. Like she is the detective that the cops go to despite her being a woman and despite having this quote as she describes it the people see her as a disfigurement so she has this veil over her face. She's essentially the Doctor Who inversion of Sherlock Holmes. Again, I, ironically, because there was a Sherlock TV show at the time. And weirdly, people wanted a crossover between the two because Stephen Moffat was doing both shows.
1: Uh, as was Russell T Davies. Yeah. I don't know if this was them like trying to be like hey, we're doing a lot of queer baiting over on the other show, so here's, like, something we'll say is, you know?
0: Yeah. Though I, it does, it it feels realistic that the, quote, real-life Sherlock Holmes would have been a woman, and then Sir Arthur Colin Doyle says, nah, 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 nah. The world's greatest detective has to be a man, and wrote stories of him as a man.
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you'd, you'd kind of hope that. Um, even, even though we do know the, all the real inspirations, but, um. At least in the Doctor Who universe. It is fun to think that in the Doctor Who universe, it's actually a Silurian woman. I don't know. It's, it's so, it's so weird because there was a thing where they kept talking about, in the new series, how finally the world was kind of catching on to the fact that there were like aliens and stuff in the modern era. Mm -hmm. So you start to see that with the Tenth Doctor and and stuff. Especially where people start catching on to the fact that there are these incursions from aliens which was a thing that a lot of people were like well how come the doctor is always down here fighting Daleks and stuff and nobody realizes it and the news series does
0: have their explanations how like, the press and the governments kind of wave it off and people believe them or, you know, the universe resets or whatnot that everybody forgets.
1: But this episode kind of goes back on it a little bit because there's just like a massive dinosaur. Wandering around the Thames. And again, there are people who
0: are trying to say, that nah, that's not a real dinosaur. That's the, the, the government playing tricks on us.
1: And then, you know, it spontaneously combusts and then an entire restaurant just lifts off in a hot air balloon. The Doctor Who universe, Earth especially, has this just this
0: knack of just ignoring what's in front of them and nah, this ain't real, this can't be real, let's go back to our normal lives.
1: Yeah, at least in a lot of other episodes, when they go back in time and there are things that happen, they tend to happen in a much smaller contained area around people who nobody will believe. You know? Mm -hmm. Like.
0: Zombie children with gas masks on.
1: Yeah, but it's you know one hospital that had been shut down and everybody there had had the same thing happen to them and there's army around and the doctor's like you know hey all your lives got saved go back home and don't really tell anybody you know Mm. um and it's just one of those like weird war stories there's a lot of like strange gas and stuff going around. Maybe the Germans to put some psychedelic you know, chemicals in the gas or something, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you can kind of you know, it's like 20 or 30 people in an isolated area. You know, when
0: when David Tennant
1: goes to New York, there's like a bunch of hobos in Central Park Who's going to believe them when they say they saw pigmen and robots? Like, nobody. They're drunks in Central Park, you know? There's ghosts in, in
0: Cardiff. Oh, sure, Charles Dickens. You must want to sell your next book.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always, like, small groups of people when they go into the past, at least in the modern era, you know? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, this episode is just kind of like... And then everybody in London saw a giant dinosaur wandering around for like 48 hours, you know? Or a giant Cyberman Megazord. Yeah, something like that, you know?
0: Mhm.
1: And that's that if I had anything to kind of nitpick about this episode, it would probably be that mm-hmm. because there's nothing in here That's like, why isn't this a story going forward of the time there was a dinosaur in London, in Victorian London, you know, Mm -hmm. and also that restaurant just suddenly flew like a day later or a month later or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. It's a little bit unhinged, this episode, and I I like that. Because it's like, well, the Doctor shows up accidentally.
0: Yeah, this is right after he regenerates from Matt Smith to, to Capaldi. Apparently, we have an unseen adventure where they end up in prehistoric times the TARDIS gets swallowed by a dinosaur and now they're in Victorian England with the dinosaur because the TARDIS. Not sure how that works, but sure.
1: Well, yeah, I I think the TARDIS just accidentally pulled the dinosaur along with it. Mm. You know, the dinosaur got caught in the temporal field as they, you know. mm mm-hmm. Clara is the the one having to, to deal with it, and I think that I don't know if they wrote the episode after the kerfuffle over why is the doctor an old man now, but the whole thing with Clara really feels like they were talking to the audience.
0: From Clara's point of view, she just had a young man doctor that she was very flirtatious with. You know, her, the controversy, I mean, we never went over it, but the controversy of Matt Smith's doctor talking about Clara being an enigma wrapped in a tight skirt, not to mention all of the other innuendos that, that Matt Smith had during that era. The, the Sonic ever becoming a, you know, a, a manhood joke, but uh, she, even in her, fi- even in Matt's final episode, Clara is saying she only traveled with the doctor because she fancied him, and that's only because they were on a uh, a planet where no one could tell lies, so, uh, you know what? Now that I'm on that, let, let, let's let kind of wrap up. Let's pick it up there, because, yeah. In A Town Called Christmas, on A Planet Called Transalore, the Doctor had his supposed final battle against all of his villains with new companion Clara Oswald. And then he eventually regenerates into Peter Capaldi as, as Clara is begging him, Don't change! Don't change! And then he's Peter Capaldi now. So I think that is her coming to grips with this. Her doctor, the man that she fancied, kind of no longer exists. In its place of this young man that she found attractive is this old man. And Vastra calls her out on this. Like, the doctor's gone. The doctor's right here. This isn't the doctor. The doctor was young.
1: When I first watched this. I was like. Okay Clara. I kind of liked you. I mean. She was never my favorite companion. But I kind of liked her. And then he regenerates. And you can be like. I mean all companions kind of have that. Adjustment period. If they are there. During a regeneration. But. She's like. First one... I mean, Rose had that whole moment of like... Can you change back? You know? Mm-hmm. But... Which I think is... A reaction to have, you know? It's But it's really weird, especially since Clara has been in the
0: Doctor's mind. His, she has been all over his timeline. She has seen every single one of his faces why would him regenerating into an old man be that much of a shock to her?
1: Yeah, and then also her being, like, so superficial, especially when Peter Capaldi's kind of a hottie. Like, age aside, Peter is just kind of yummy, so, like, shut up. <laughs> 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 I was kind of like, I don't know. Shut up!
0: <laughs> Basically, you're saying you would.
1: Oh, yeah! I kind of like the scene where Claire is all like Jenny, you like Vastra? Jenny's like, I love Vastra. Like, excuse me, that is my wife. Much like Captain America. <laughs> And, uh, Claire's all like, okay, you know, but if she showed up tomorrow and she was like somebody different, would you still love her? And Jenny's like, girl, she is not even human. Like, I am in love with a lizard woman. You think I'm really hung up on looks? A lizard woman from the dawn of time who was there and probably knew this dinosaur. yeah. I mean, because everybody's like, wait, dinosaur? And is like, yeah, that's, that's what they look like. I, I remember that. That's, yep, dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> like, where where are the feathers on this dinosaur? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of, I kind of did want to, because we kind of knew about that by that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, I kind of like Jenny just being like, so do you love the doctor? Or did you love that face? Or 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 were you just like that face is kind of hot and I would like, you know, because those are two different things.
0: Yeah, and in a way, the their their relationship does change from this point out because the relationship between the eleventh and Clara was very much flirtatious, very much young couple, you know. News, you're my boyfriend, ding-dong. She never pulled that with, with with 12. Like, it was definitely an adjustment. The, the two clearly did care for each other still, and very much are very, are, you know, best friends. But Clara clearly no longer had romantic feelings for the Doctor after he changed.
1: Yeah, let's just, let's just say it this way. Clara was a total poser. Like, people who... Loved the Doctor. Rose. Because, like, she went, can you change back? And he was like, no. And she's like, okay, I can roll with it. So, like, River. even though I'm not the biggest fan of Rose, like, she's seen the Doctor in multiple forms. And she was like, yeah, okay, still the Doctor. Still love you. We- we're good.
0: River's River. River. This- River.
1: Yeah. River has seen like multiple versions of the Doctor and recognizes at like every version and is like, "That's my husband." <laughs> she we're, has. We're she, married.
0: She has pictures of all of her, all of his faces in her wallet.
1: Yeah, she's like, "This is my husband. This is also my husband. This is the same husband. <laughs> I am not married to multiple people. This is all the same guy." She is also my husband.
0: Like you <laughs> know,
1: like. River is, like, all the same person, love equally, we, we good. Like, yeah.
0: I don't know about the body, I've only seen the face so far.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, whatever. But, you know, River is just like, no, no, no. The doctor. Equally doctor, no matter the form. It's fine. We're down. Um, And so, like, yeah, like, there's there's a, I mean, Jack would just be like, doctor, you're here again. Do, 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 do you want to go find a room in the back of the TARDIS somewhere? <laughs> I do not care what form you have shown up in. We are good. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if you'd call that love with Jack necessarily, but, you know, Jack seven, is down. Seven minutes in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Jack is down for whatever. Um, I mean, Missy specifically refers to the doctor as her boyfriend at the end of this, and the doctor Ooh. refers to Missy as his first crush. Yeah, I mean, I I think that despite the animosity, there's probably some. I think that 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 this particular backyard, season, yeah, has has definitely put a stamp on some Doctor Master, whatever, you know. They were
0: schoolyard sweethearts, and I will die on that hill, regardless of what form they had.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that this absolutely proves that Clara had, like, a crush on a body. She saw the Matt Smith face and body, and she was like, mmm, that's tasty. And she was like, yeah, I got a crush on the doctor. And as soon as that, like visage went away she was like oh I guess we're just friends
0: it's like you know you you, if a person may start in a a relationship with a good looking person but if that person gains weight or something and then oh I'm not in love with you anymore
1: yeah then you never were so screw you you know like (laughs) people would be like "Eh, you let yourself go or whatever it's like well then you were never in love with them you know? Mm. F off and let them find somebody else. <laughs> 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 yeah, Clara is is the shallow girl, you know? And it's, she tries to fight it, but it's like, the only one who believed her was Jenny. Yeah, and it's, I think Jenny necessarily probably didn't believe her. I think Jenny was a hopeless romantic who wanted it to work out. And uh, I just don't think that's necessarily the way it works. Like, I don't think
0: everybody has that in them. I'm all for hopeless romantic Jenny. But yeah, it doesn't exactly work in every scenario.
1: Yeah. So yeah. uh, Clara is not one of my favorite companions. And now you know the reason why. Um, But as far as this episode showcasing the 12th doctor. I like it because it shows off the chaotic nature of the doctor because he does disappear for a while. You're not quite sure of his motives. He does run into, I do like this little bit that he does run into a, like a hobo on the street and he ends up, Buying the guy's coat off of him or, like, trading his watch for the guy's coat. And the guy who who plays that, like, hobo in the street, that was Elizabeth Sladen's husband. Aww. So they had him in the episode. It's not the only time he's appeared in, like, Doctor 2 kind of stuff. But, um... He he was he was in there, and that was their way of like keeping him in the Doctor Who family. Hmm. Um, and so that that guy that twelve grabs him and is like, "Have you seen this face? Why why do I have this face?" Because he's he's realizing now that he gets a good look at the face, he's realizing that that's the face from Fires of Pompeii, and. We don't really get the explanation for the face in this episode. That would come like a year
0: later. Oh, I yeah. forgot. I forgot that episode aired a year later with uh with a shoulder.
1: Yeah, that is uh the girl who lived or the girl who died, woman, woman who, who lived. lived. Yeah. Yeah. Um but he chose it to remind himself that no matter the situation No matter how, you know, strange and impossible, no matter if it's a fixed point in time, he has to save somebody. You don't have to save everybody. You just
0: have to save somebody. Donna Noble.
1: Yeah, Donna Noble, one of the most important people in the universe. So glad she's coming back. (laughs) Yes, and I, I hope if they're going to, like write her out of the series finally. I don't know if they're going to leave it open-ended or if they're going to write a definitive ending because, you know, we're filming this before anybody has seen the episodes. Yeah. Um. Either way they do it, I hope she gets done right because I feel she was done dirty and until they fix it in the series proper... I will die on the hill that uh, Donna Noble deserves better. So, Just either give either give her an open ending that she can go on and have a good important life in Doctor Who or let her have a good noble death. <laughs> All, all of the meaning behind that intended, you know, let, let her go out like an absolute badass, um, because she deserves it. Or, you know, let her go on with her life with memories of the doctor being able to live her full empowered self.
0: So let's get, actually get into what's going on here. Cause, cause we've got, cause we've got. I mean, a callback. This whole episode is a callback in more ways than one. It's not much of of, of a plot. We can get through it. Is that there are these robots that are trying to repair their ship, and they're and themselves using body parts of humans, which the doctor says,
1: and this, one dinosaur that ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, one dinosaur.
0: <laughs> and the doctor says, "I I I remember this. This has happened sometime before. I don't know where. I don't know when." And then you if you if you haven't figured it out by the the third act of the episode, he straight up tells you the Madame de Pompadour. This is a retread of the Madame de Pompadour episode, which had a similar a similar uh plot of clockwork robots trying to repair using human body parts. But the twist in this one is the robots want to become human and reach the promised land. That these robots have been living among humans so, so much. And has incorporated so many human parts into, into themselves. That they've sort of become human. And they want their paradise. They want the promised land. They want to go to heaven. Does a robot have a soul? This episode seems to think so.
1: I mean, according to uh, the TVA, robots do not have a soul. <laughs> different universes, different rules. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's the big
0: thing is that, you know, the the... the They want to go home. They want to reach the promised land. And the Doctor is even saying there is no promised land. There is no afterlife. Very unique phrasing from the Doctor. But the Doctor has been on so many worlds and seen so many religions. Who knows which one is the right one, if there is a right one. But he says that there is no promised land. And even if there is one, the doctor's never going to see it. Which... Yeah, fair. No matter how many times he tries to save the day, there's so much blood on his hands from the Time War.
1: Uh, nothing washing that out. You know, it, spoilers for later episodes, of course. You know, there is eventually, you know, revealed, hey, that, that there there is a Promised Land... Except it's just... uh, Computer. Computer, you know. And it's, it's run by Missy. It's Missy, you know, she's... And you're all going to become Cybermen. Every person who's
0: ever died now becomes Cyberman. So, yeah, everyone you've ever loved and all your favorite characters in Doctor Who and now become Cybermen, and oh, if we ever do that episode, that was a point of contention. Yeah... But we get to that scene where the doctor and the half-faced man have that conversation. It's essentially the ship of Theseus conversation, but in this one is like, is it still the same ship? The doctor says, "No, it's not. You're not even what you used to be. You don't even remember your own face. You've changed. You have so many changed parts, both mechanical and, and flesh, that you're not the same robot that you used to be." And they have their little fight and, they, you know, one of uh, the half-faced men is saying that his programming will not allow himself to self-terminate. And the doctor says his programming will not allow him to kill. But one of them is lying. Eventually, we see the half-faced man ended up skewered on the Tower of London Big Ben. And there's that look, that subtle look that the doctor gives the audience. He is looking at us after the after the event. So and it does the move the episode gives is trying to give you a a, a, an inconclusive answer. Did the half-faced man jump or did the doctor push him? I've always believed, just based on that look alone, that the Doctor pushed him. But everyone has their own conclusions of, of what happened there. Even Missy isn't sure what
1: happened. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with, with you. I think that they cut away so that we didn't see the Doctor push him. And so that people who want to deny it can deny it Mm but but I I honestly think that you know it's I I think it's pretty pretty obvious from what the doctor says before about you know one one of us is lying about our programming because we know that the doctor has killed before I mean the doctor has straight-up committed genocide before Twice. <laughs> Double <laughs>
0: genocide on the same day.
1: Well, the thing is, is that uh, I'm pretty sure that the daughter has committed more genocides than that. At least um, two
0: in one day for, for the time
1: more. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, yeah.
0: The ending of the episode also ruffled some feathers, because We get a cameo from Matt Smith as the 11th Doctor just before he regenerated. Which has never happened. We've never had a cameo of this magnitude of the previous Doctor in the first episode of the next Doctor. There's been hints at, there's been pictures, reflections, but it's never a full-on scene where a previous Doctor is saying, Hey... This new guy is the doctor now. Please help him. And maybe that scene is a response to parts of the fandom not really accepting Capaldi because he was an old man.
1: See, the the whole episode kind of feels like that, though. It's like... Clara is all like, "Man, I don't like him because he's old and he's got gray hair and she's picking on him the entire time and you've got gray hair, old man. And, blah, blah, blah. and the thing is, is that at the end, they specifically have Matt Smith come back and be like, oh, did I get old? Not old, but I was so young. I was young, good looking. I was a footballer, you know, and and then he's like, you know, please stick with me, even though I'm an old man now. And like. My God, it just. Begging I, like, the audience. I like Mac Smith. Yeah, I, li- I like Matt Smith. Nothing against him or, you know, he did the scene. He was asked and whatever. But this whole thing just feels so frickin whiny. Like, please, Tumblr kiddos, don't, don't leave us behind just because we've got an actor who's like, you know, 10 or 20 years older now. Like, oh my God. Shut up. Like, (laughs) thing, thing, thing
0: is, it didn't work. People want to complain about the ratings going down during Whitaker's era. It went down during Capaldi's too. But it, but that is more because these doctors were not David Tennant because the ratings had been slowly going down since Tennant left. So, your place your conclusion here,
1: yeah. But I don't, I just oh.
0: I mean, it's 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 it, 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 it's 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 the show begging the audience, please stick with this new guy, even though he's an old man.
1: It's you know, and infected. then they have Capaldi come out and like look at her and be like, "So, did you get a call from the doctor begging you to stick around and watch the show? Because that that was the doctor, I know, because I am the doctor and I made that call. So, you' gonna stick around and watch next week's episode? And it's like, ah, you know."
0: Even even the subtlety of, pick up the phone, it's your boyfriend, and it's Matt Smith.
1: Yeah, and it's like, right after he's like, I'm not your boyfriend, I'm the doctor. Like, the doctor is not your boyfriend.
0: I do like that scene he says before, is that I've made a, you know, uh, you know there's been a lot of mistakes, and he just even says, I never said it was your mistake. It's the Doctor, the character, straight up saying, I made a mistake by falling in love with you, Clara. I cannot be with you. I am not your boyfriend. I am the Doctor.
1: Well, also, this is like Moffat taking over the show. hmm And Russell T. Davies always had a more like, let's put some romance into the show. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Moffat was more like. Okay. Maybe the the doctor is married to River, you know, because she comes back a little bit in the 12th doctor, but it's more like she comes back with the 12th doctor for her to have like her last night before she goes off to the library. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And we don't even mostly see that last night. But. Mostly, you know, Moffat is more the type of person that is into things like the idea of the Doctor's wife, where the Doctor's wife is the TARDIS, you know. Like, those are the kinds of stories that Moffat likes around Doctor Who. Like, the Doctor is not like the romantic person taking his companion who is also his girlfriend slash boyfriend away on an adventure you know Mm. Moffat is very much like the doctor is the doctor and people come in and out of the doctor's life but the doctor and maybe the TARDIS if you want to say that the doctor has a love interest that goes with the doctor throughout the centuries you know but that, I think, is more Moffat's idea, that the cheese stands alone and other things come and dance around the cheese occasionally. Mm-hmm. Um, which I i don't mind the Doctor having an occasional pop-in-and-out love interest that's a guest star. Mm-hmm. I don't mind the idea of the Doctor dances, but, like, i I, I don't know. I kind of... I don't like the idea of the companion being the semi-permanent love interest because it can never end well and it never does end well. Yeah, cuz either the doctor regenerates or the companion, the companion dies. dies or leaves or something, you know. It's like Doctor Who is supposed to be a show that just constantly regenerates itself. You know, you have people pop in and out as they will as actors change as you know, generations grow up and move on and, you know, come and go. And the, I like the idea of the fandom creating the romances and, you know, who you like together and, you know, leave that in fanfic or the occasional, like, Madame Pompadour pops in and you have a little romance of the week and then it's over and done with.
0: Fandom creating the romance is next week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm I'm kinda on that side of things. So I like that the idea of the doctor being like, I'm I'm not your boyfriend. I'm I'm nobody's boyfriend, you know? Like I but might have an alliance, is, I might marry Queen Elizabeth or whatever, you know, like but, but it's,
0: it's the implication that he wanted to be her boyfriend, but realizing uh, that's a, that can't happen. Yeah. And giving, and, you know, kind of giving her up.
1: Yeah. Um, so in conclusion, uh, Clara kind of sucks for that part. She's okay in other parts, but Clara kind of sucks. Anyway, Clara, uh, goes away. And, you know, she goes to have
0: possibly some adventures that we haven't seen yet with Arya Stark somewhere in space and time.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And 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 again, after, after the final night with River, the Doctor is back on Earth. Now, watching over the vault, which has Missy in it. And to watch The Vault, he has taken a job as a professor at a university into her new companion, Bill Potts. I rather like Bill. She's fun. Bill's fun. Bill is, feels like she really is the anti-Clara. She has no romantic interests for the doctor because she's a lesbian.
1: She's just down for the journey, and I like that.
0: She's there for the fun. Yeah, she wants the, the spirit of adventure. She's not there for to be a romantic partner or anything. She's just there for the adventure.
1: I really like the, our other companion in the episode we're going to talk about, which is Nardole. Yeah, Nardole,
0: who first appeared in that River Song episode, who was decapitated, and the doctor put his head back down. We do get that that reference in here that he did put the doctor, that he put Nardle's head back on a new body. And is Nardle human? Is he part robot? Uh, Even Nardle admits that that's not even his original face.
1: Yeah, but at the moment he looks like uh, Matt Lucas. (laughs) I I do like uh, seeing Matt Lucas and things. So, yeah.
0: I do like the dynamic between the two, especially given that he is—he is his entire, his entire purpose of being with the Doctor is to keep him on Earth to do his job of guarding this vault, which has, again, has Missy in it.
1: Yeah, I I do like that. You know, back in the classic series, you would frequently get companions that were not from modern day Earth.
0: Jamie was from the Highlands. You'd get Adric who was from another dimension.
1: Yeah, but you you would get these these companions who would pop in who were they were aliens they were From the future, they were sometimes robots or, you know, whatever. Chameleon. uh, Leela. Yeah, Leela. um But we did not really get that in Modern Who. It was always someone from modern day Earth. Yeah. Until... We got Nardole. We're not exactly sure what he is, except that he's some sort of alien being with cyborg parts in him. Mm -hmm. Like, we're never quite sure of his species, um, but... We know he's got some kind of robotic parts in him and some kind of organic parts in him, and he's definitely not human. <laughs> so, um, the it is interesting to see like an absolutely not Earth character. I mean, we had Jack, but
0: Jack was never a full time companion.
1: Well, but also, Jack was a human who. Just was from the f- the future. He wasn't you from know? Earth,
0: though. He wasn't from Earth.
1: Yeah, but he was human. Yeah. Um. After his encounter with Rose and the the bad wolf, you know, bit and the TARDIS energy, you can debate whether or not he was entirely human after that. But Jack started out as human. Um. But. We do know that Nardole is humanoid, but he's not human, because he's very much confused by humans. So, I... doesn't really
0: give a toss about Earth, either.
1: Yeah, he doesn't care about Earth, he doesn't care about humanity, really, and he's also a criminal, which, yeah, Jack, Jack is a bit, you know, he's kind of a con man, and, you know... All that kind of stuff when we meet him. But Nardole is like a straight-up criminal. You know, he's not like an anti-hero or whatever. He's just like criminal criminal. (laughs) Um,
0: But he's there to do a job. Nardole is not there to protect the companion. He's not there to save the Earth. He's not there to help any other species. He's there to do a job. And that his one job is to keep the Doctor on Earth to do his job and Nardle fails miserably.
1: Yeah. And the interesting thing about it is that the doctor wants and Nardle realizes it because he's he's like, Doctor, I can see that you're itching to get off of Earth again, you know. Um and you know, don't don't do that and whatever. And The funny thing about it is that the doctor had apparently told him at some point that, you know, oh, the TARDIS needs this particular um, piece to work, the fluid link. Yeah, where have we heard that before? Yeah, I feel like I feel like he's told that lie before. Yeah, because we covered that episode, the Daleks with the first Doctor. Yeah, hell of a callback. The first Doctor, uh, did that to Ian when he was like, "Oh, you know, we we the the we need to go find a fluid link." Cause the uh, the TARDIS needs it to run on, and so we've got to go investigate the Daleks' city, and then of course it's a total lie, um, and then, uh, he he tells uh Nardole in this episode that removing the fluid link will disable the TARDIS and then Nardole pulls out the fluid link and of course the TARDIS works and they're all in the TARDIS and they go off on a thing he's like, you tricked track me, you know. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like but the fluid link
0: is, is, is supposed to keep the TARDIS from working. Yeah, who told you that? You did. Exactly. <laughs> Rule number one, the doctor lies.
1: Yeah. Um, so I I love that. Um, it's so great. So great. Um, I love when Doctor Who continuity comes back like that. Yeah, and it's always
0: the, 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 the callbacks you least expect. If you're yeah, a- I
1: love when it's, like, really obscure callbacks like that. Yeah.
0: Like, even in the previous episode, Vastra saying, well, here we go again. Word for word, the Brigadier, when he saw the third Doctor regenerating into the fourth. Yeah. So, like, those kind of things, like, those kind of callbacks are fun. The.
1: The thing I like though is that Nardole is like no, and it cuts to Bill, and she's like yay, <laughs> we're going to space. I'm so sick of being on Earth, like <laughs> and you know what, Bill? Same, samey, same, same, same. <laughs> I mean, as a, as a, as a,
0: as uh... a college teacher yourself (laughs) wouldn't you just like to get in a spaceship and get off world for a little while
1: i think right now at this point in time every teacher on the planet would be like trip to space sounds great (laughs) um but you know the doctor is like oh you know there's a distress signal coming from this Broken down space station. Let's go see what that is. And, you know, if you back up to the cold open. We've got these two, you know, workers on this space station, a man and a woman. And the woman keeps trying to talk to the man and both of their oxygen is running low. And she's talking about like. Getting married and having yeah the 80s. getting getting married and and wanting to have children with him, and then you find out her communication system isn't working, and he hasn't heard a word she said, and um you keep seeing like oxygen credits low and then all of a sudden, like a space zombie comes out and touches her, and then she's a space zombie. And she moves forward to try to touch him, and that's all we see.
0: Yeah, so let's go to the episode Oxygen, which is, without a doubt, and I don't think anyone would argue with me on this one, is the most left-leaning episode in the entire run of New Who. And obviously and honestly, the 12th Doctor is probably, arguably, the most left-leaning doctor of the modern era. Maybe Tenet. Maybe Tenet. but I would I would definitely put twelve over ten in that regard. Especially because this whole episode
1: is capitalism in space. And and more so than that, it will it is. Unionization in space. The the premise of this episode, I mean, there's not it's not plot heavy because the the message is more important and the horror of that message is more important. So the plot is very very straightforward. Which is that there were like 40 ish workers on the space station, you know, 50 or less. And they, the interior of the space station has had all of the oxygen removed. So the only way that the organic, you know, humanoid workers, can have oxygen is by constantly wearing their spacesuits and paying the company for the oxygen they need to work. And then uh- the company decides that the oxygen the workers are using up is too expensive and that all they need is the body inside the suit to give the suit form and the AI in the suit can run the suit. So they send a command to the suit to take out the organic part, to kill the organic part inside the suit, and just run on the AI. Because the workers were too inefficient and costing them too much oxygen. So they murder the workers rather than pay for the oxygen, the work and presumably food and water that the workers need to stay alive.
0: Yeah. This this is, you know, the corporate overlords, the billionaires. This is the this is this is the episode. This episode thing is like the corporate overlords, the billionaires. They don't give a damn about you. You are just a cog in a machine and they will replace you. It's that whole, uh, your job is going to be replaced by a robot mentality. Only this time it's a sci-fi show, so that can actually happen.
1: Well, and the robot uses your corpse. Yep. The thing is, is that the Doctor lays this out in no uncertain terms. Yeah, you know what? I said left-leaning,
0: but let's let's rip the band-aid and say the word. You want people want to say that the 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 13th Doctor era is the most woke era because the doctor is a woman. Screw that. The 12th Doctor era is the most woke Doctor Who era.
1: Yeah, this this episode is explicitly anti-capitalist, and it is incredible, um, because the the doctor absolutely looks at the workers who are still alive, and he tells them in absolutely explicit terms, "Your bosses sent." a kill command to your suits because your oxygen was costing them too much money. They do not care about you. They do not care about your life. Your life is costing them more than they are profiting, so they are willing to kill you for profit.
0: It's too expensive to keep you alive.
1: Yeah. Um, And So, he discovers, uh, you know, the the doctor who has, when he hands over the psychic paper to the survivors, the survivors read it and see that the doctor is from the Union. That's who they think has come to rescue them. The The doctor says nothing. (laughs) The doctor hands over the paper. And the way the psychic paper works is if the doctor doesn't say anything, the paper will pull something from your mind that will make you feel at ease. And what makes these people feel at ease? A union rep. And they don't even believe there is a union, but that's their hope. They sent out a distress signal, a call for help, and somewhere in the back of their mind, the only people that they thought could help them in this nightmare corporate situation was a union rep. I mean, this episode is deep. I mean, it's not subtle, but it's deep.
0: That's why I say, you know, if, you, it, if you're not getting the lessons that the, that, that the show is teaching you, you're not paying attention. And I think I like this episode for that, but I think that this might go over any children watching the show. But I don't think that was the intended audience for this particular episode.
1: Yeah, I mean, as like teens and young adults... You know grow up with it that that's who really needs it, you know, but the um The thing is is that when he looks at them and he lays it out, the people are like, "No, you know, and then like he. He proves it. He brings receipts. And how does he stop the zombies? He says we will die here, but we're going to make it very expensive.
0: Yeah, he ties their their suits to the cooling systems of the of the of the space station, meaning that if they die, that the ship will overheat. It is literally you know, like if, yeah, if they die, it, it, it'll be the biggest loss in the company's history. It went from too expensive to keep them alive to too expensive to kill them.
1: Yeah. And that is the point where the zombie suits, which are being controlled remotely by the company, remember, stop and no longer are trying to kill the employees. In fact,
0: they give them extra air.
1: Yeah, because the, the, the suits, you know, with the, the corpses in them, of course they don't need oxygen anymore. So they hand over basically free oxygen. Um, in order to keep them alive so that their suits will not overheat and take out the, the, station um, but the the thing is though is that only two people end up surviving other than of course the the doctor and the companions but only two of the people that were on the station originally end up surviving and the doctor says you know I'll give you a ride in the TARDIS to wherever you want to go. I'll even take you somewhere in the universe that's outside the control of corporations. And they say, no, we want to go back to where the head office is located because we want people to know this story. We want to make a complaint. We want people to, you know... Uh, understand what happened. The doctor's like, I, I want you to be loud about it. And they were like, oh, we're gonna be loud. And the doctor
0: gives us the recap of, of what happens afterward because apparently he he knew of this event. He just didn't know he was a part of it. That they make a big scene, the corporation goes under And thus is the end of capitalism in space. But as humans do, they find another problem. But that's another story for another day.
1: Yeah, he just says that, you know, humans have some other issue, but we don't know if it's an economic issue or, you know, a war or something. Mm. Um, But the doctor... Doesn't just say that it's the end of uh, capitalism in in space. It it seems like it's the end of like capitalism for like all of humanity forever. It is the way that like the doctor seems to to make it seem like that mm. that was the catalyst for the eventual end of capitalism just, like, throughout the universe. Just a nice thought. I mean, it's a great thought. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's also a very sad thought because look how far in the future that is.
0: Yeah, that capitalism, like, it lasts that long. That we have space stations and suits that can sustain life in any environment it's it is pretty sad that that's how far capitalism goes into the future even by doctor who standards but there's also the other moments uh it like when bill meets the blue alien like at this point in the series bill has never met a non humanoid creature before that wasn't a dalek so when she sees a blue skin alien, she th- doesn't know how to respond.
1: Yeah, she's slightly shocked, and it takes her a second to be like, "Yeah, oh, oh, you're you're not a threat. You're just a person, you know." <laughs> like, oh
0: great, we picked up a racist.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that and that's that's what the alien says. Like, oh great, a racist. And Bill, a black woman, is like immediately like, "No, wait a second! I'm I'm not a racist." I'm usually the I'm, one,
0: yeah. See, yeah, I'm usually the one on the on the end on that end of racism. I did not intend to harm you. I did not intend to offend you. I've just never seen a blue person before.
1: And the greatest part of it is that the blue alien is so confused. As to why Bill would be the recipient of racism. Which I think is very cute and, you know, like, that, like, yeah, okay, well, we haven't gotten rid of capitalism, but maybe humanity has at least gotten rid of ethnic divides based on skin tone inside. Bad for business
0: bad for business
1: maybe I don't know
0: but the, the other part of this one the, the actual one that actually lasts past this episode is the doctor going blind where Bill's suit malfunctions right, right before they're, they're about to enter the vacuum of space so the doctor makes the sacrifice of putting his helmet on her so she can breathe so she can live him trusting that his Time Lord physiology will be enough for him to survive in a vacuum. And he pays the price by losing his vision. And they do kind of, sort of, you know, they kind of play off that that he gets his vision back at the end. But if you actually pay attention to how Peter Capaldi acts in that scene you can tell that he's he he actually didn't get his vision back at the end, because he's still running his hands on the TARDIS console. He doesn't look directly at any of the characters in that scene. Now, granted, 2,000 years in the TARDIS, I'm pretty sure he could run that machine blindfolded if he wanted to. And in this situation, he kind of has to. Yeah, But yeah, if you actually pay attention to that final scene, you could tell that, you know, knowing that at the end, as the doctor says, I'm still blind. And that fact that 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 plays into the next few episodes. Just is it's it's, a lot of people kind of wanted the doctor to stay blind for the remainder of his run, and I'm not against that idea, but. I don't know how far you can pull that without making that some kind of crutch to the storytelling.
1: I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool to have a disabled doctor at some point.
0: Yeah. But it's a nice cliffhanger of the doctor saying, you know, I can't look at you. I can't look at anyone or see anything ever again. I'm still blind. Yeah. But... Yeah, Oxygen is such a good episode even in <laughs> in a vacuum. <laughs> As, <laughs> but yeah. you know, it's like it's one of the best episodes of the 12th Doctor era. Honestly, a lot of the bill episodes are like some of the best this era has. And it's 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 so good and it it, it really does show like I said, it's, it goes so far to the left with its messaging that, like I said, when people say that Jodie Whittaker, Jody Whittaker's run is woke because she's a woman, you're not paying attention. This is it. I it, I don't know about, about, about your, your personal views on it, but that's just mine. That this says Capaldi is the most woke doctor there is.
1: Yeah, I mean... At least this episode probably is, <laughs> mm-hmm. but i I really enjoy this this episode, and especially the messaging of it um, yeah, it's just as sad what what happens after
0: but that's another story for another time,
1: yeah, so. <laughs> Uh, on the subject of 12th Doctor Peter Capaldi, what are our thoughts?
0: I loved him so much as the Doctor. It's like, he's... I know a lot of people are going to say Tennant because he was there first. Or Smith. And I love them both. I love Eccleston, too. But 12 just embodied the Doctor so much. Capaldi embodied the doctor so much so well that it's hard to argue that he wasn't one uh, of you know, top two doctors of the modern era it's going to fluctuate between him and Tenet for me with some days I'm going to put Capaldi over Tenet some days I'm going to put Tenet over Capaldi but it's yeah. like yeah that, that that's me
1: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you. I mean I I do think that for me Tenant just kinda ekes it out just a little bit. Um because I think that in general he probably got better writing. Yeah. Um but Capaldi is such a close second for me. Um, I, I love his portrayal. I love the kind of almost curmudgeonly thing he's got going on because I think that really goes back a lot to
0: the first part, yeah, yeah,
1: and also I like some of his like really biting, you know, humans are such small-minded little, you know, like, I love it, yeah, I love like, when the doctor gets those kind of cutting, like, you, you know, I'm surrounded by idiots kind of moments, you know. It, it, it's very much stupid apes from Eccleston,
0: only he's going Planet of the Pudding
1: Brains. Yes, I, I love moments like that, and Capaldi was so good at how he... Delivered them, because right. you can really feel that it's like, oh, you annoy me, but I'm still gonna save your planet. You just, just why, uh, yeah. Why can't
0: you? Why can't you figure it out? The answer is right in front of you. Just figure it out. What's the answer, Doctor? It's right in front of you, you freaking idiots. <laughs> Alright, yeah.
1: I'll tell you what the answer is. <laughs> it's that. It's that Bob Ferger's moment of like, okay. I'll save your planet, but I'm gonna complain about it the entire time. You know, like <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think he, that he was, was always what, so great about that.
0: You know. Yeah, and it's sad that he not only has he not come back, but he has said over and over again he has no interest in coming back. He was asked, as most recently as right after Sudi Godward was announced as the next Doctor, would he come back for a team up? Would he come back to do? The audio adventures. Would he come back to do anything? And he says no. He has no interest. He's done his time at Doctor Who. He's satisfied with how he did it. And he wants to leave it at that. And while me as a fan. Want more Twelfth Doctor. I want to see the Twelfth Doctor. In a multi-doctor episode. I want to see Peter Capaldi do Big Finish. And I want to hear more adventures on that. I respect. Capaldi's decision to walk away, to end it on a for lack of a better term, a a high note. And if this is if we never see any more 12th Doctor, anything with Capaldi, I will be okay with it. But as a fan, as I I wish there were more.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I would I would like to see him come back for a multi-doctor story because
0: uh... Capaldi and Whitaker that would be a fun one.
1: I mean, it's just he's such a big fan of Doctor Who. He he has to understand the importance of a do- of a multi-doctor story. Come on, dude.
0: Yeah, maybe he'll change his mind one day, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. As for what happened to the 12th Doctor, well, the 12th Doctor eventually ended up on a Cyberman ship uh built it's turned into a Cyberman he faces not one but two Masters and then after all of that ends up in an adventure with the first Doctor and then regenerates into the 13th Doctor Jodie Whitaker. and we will be picking up that next week yes next week we are finally getting into the 13th Doctor era the Jodie Whittaker era the Chris Chibnall era
1: the time has come.
0: The time has come to finally... And I... I'm already feeling bad about this because I... Jodi is such a good actress, she doesn't deserve to get dragged through, but we will do our diligence and be as impartial as we can for the 13th Doctor era next week. We
1: will be impartial to Jody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is all we are promising. so come back next week as we
0: get to the 13th doctor the most recent doctor jody whittaker as we as we get to the end of the of our retrospective and uh and uh and we'll talk to you next time Bye. bye don't let the magic stop here Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at RewatchingTheMagic. We are on the X, formerly known as Twitter, at RewatchTheMagic. And new episodes are available every week at RewatchingTheMagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun.
1: But there's work to be done.
0: We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support.
1: The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org.
0: The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org.
1: The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. They can be found at thetrevorproject.org.
0: Or find a way to help in your area.